You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 15. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen and it's good to be back with another show. Look, last week we did an episode with Evangelist Glenn Weeks. What an incredible man and what an amazing life he has had. We just thought it was just too good an opportunity not to have Glenn back on the show. And so we've got a little bit of a bonus, I guess, a little bit of an extra. Uh, we've pieced together some of the uh, some of the content that we couldn't put in last week's episode and we've stitched it together for this week's episode. So apologies if it's a little disjointed, but we just thought that Glenn had so much left to say that we couldn't put in last week's episode, and so we've put it together and included it for you here. So let's get started. Glenn, I wonder if you could just recap for us, I know you went through it last week in more detail, about uh, events leading up through your life in Vietnam and New York Police Department and, and so on, but could you just give us a bit of a briefer version today? How did you get to where you are? I was raised in a Christian home, but I was not uh, a Christian, rebelled, went away from family and church to the State University in New York to rage. Mm-hmm. And uh, while raging, they told me that I was uh, flunking out of the university and I was going to be leaving. And it was 1966, uh, Vietnam was heating up, and uh, my draft status, uh, as you call it over here, conscription status was going to change, and I was going to be 1A. Top of the list. Top of the list, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I decided that um, I knew better than most, and I joined rather than wait to be called up. Yeah. Uh, with the idea that I would get every bit of education from them that I could. The disciplined life of the Army agreed with me. I needed some help. So that, that's one of the, the ironic things, isn't it, that yeah. uh, you rebel against your parents because of the rules and then you go and join the Army. Join the Army <laughs> and, you, and you become a, you know, an authority after a fashion. Uh, and you despise it when people don't obey your orders. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I joined. I, I, I was uh, in uh, the army. I took all the battery of tests, and they said I could be an officer if I wanted to go to officer candidate school. So I ended up going to infantry school, um, and I became the youngest commissioned officer in the modern day army. Mm-hmm. Wow. At the age of 19, that lasted for just a... That's just one little claim to fame I have. It only lasted about three weeks. Uh And then some younger whippersnapper came along Ah. and he got in, so... I didn't hold it very long. Uh, Like I say, I agreed. It was an agreeable lifestyle for me. Once I got going in it, could see what um, potential there was. I had had an uncle that had made a career out of the military. Uh, He'd fought World War II and... Uh, then came back and uh, the Army Air Force separated and he went with the Air Force. Uh, retired from the Air Force, uh, Colonel, in 
then he joined uh, the Pentagon as a civilian uh, and uh, worked in a top secret location there in Virginia for 20 years. And while he was doing that, I'd go visit him and uh, he would encourage me to make the most out of the military because it was uh, something that he found was good for him as well. But because I was an infantry officer, um, I ended up in Vietnam in 1968, February of 68, during the Tet Offensive. Mm -hmm. And um, was um, initially scheduled to go to the DMZ with the Americal Division, which was very, very bad place. But in the providence of God, and of course, all of this is the providence of God working in my life, and mm-hmm. answer to mother and father's prayers, uh, obviously they were Christians. And uh, providentially, God brought a colonel into the reception center that had lost six officers the night before in a battle. And he saw that I was an officer and I was a U.S. Army Ranger and he liked the idea of going and get my orders changed without consulting me. He didn't care. So I ended up down the Mekong Delta. And um, I, got, I got through the war. I mean, I was wounded three times and hospitalized in Japan and back, back and forth to Vietnam. But during... During the whole time of it, I came down to Australia for R&R. In June, this time of year, uh, I'm 68, and I ran into a young lady who would eventually become my wife of almost 49 years now. Uh, we, uh, We got married. She came to know the Lord. Two years later, I came to know the Lord. By that time, I was on the... New York State Police uh, Force, and I was making people's lives as miserable or more miserable than mine, (laughs) uh, because I had a lot of rage. My best friend had died uh, in Vietnam for no good reason. He wasn't shot. He died of pneumonia in a foxhole. I thought it was the biggest waste. Anyway, uh, went to uh, uh, an evangelistic meeting, uh, a couple of them as I've been to a couple, and uh, basically I was trying to pick myself up by my bootstraps and be a a Christian, uh, act like a Christian, and talk like a Christian, and can't do it, you can't, uh, you can't get any peace that way, and I was really, very unpeaceful man. So one night uh, after an evangelistic meeting, I went and got in my patrol car. And was very tempted to end it all that night. Just uh, the upheaval and the lack of peace. But the one thing that caused me not to was uh, the love of a Christian woman. So rather than uh, doing myself that night, I pulled into the median strip between the four-lane highway. And uh, I had a little New Testament in my pocket. And... um, started reading the Psalms and back a little comfort came to two verses that just jumped off the page to me 
Psalm 130, verse 1, says, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O God. And thou hast heard me. So I knew I was on the right track. Kept reading, and I finally came to Psalm 103, verse 10. In 600 It was like God said, not yet, but I'm about to. I'm going to give you everything that's coming to you right now. What you deserve. Yes. So I um, just turned it all over to the Lord, repented. I said, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. I've been on the wrong track, trying to do my own thing. Glad we know that uh, as God deals with us, sometimes his dealings involve a level of plowing. Maybe uh, he has to get through our, our tough hide or our pride or our ignorance on certain things. And God sometimes takes us through some challenging waters or deep valleys. We walk through the fire, we walk through the flood. Has God done that to you along the way? And, and in the process, how did you get through those sort of times? Uh, yes, is the answer. Uh, God does that with every child of God, uh, Hebrews. Uh, chapter 12 tells us that God chastens every child of his. If you be without chastisement, he actually uses a very uh, uh, vivid word. He says you're a bastard, illegitimate. You're not one of his if he doesn't chasten you. And he chastens us for our benefit. Chastisement is not for punitive reasons but for corrective reasons. And uh, circumstances of life uh, are controlled by God. Our lives are uh, in His hands, of course. And uh, it's my simple, straightforward belief that God is either chastening you or blessing you. Now, some people would say, well, the chastening of God is an indirect blessing because it's going to correct your activity. Now, as far as challenges, yes, my wife has had cancer, a very serious form of cancer. Uh, Her life was hanging in the balances. God answered prayer. Uh, God used some very uh, helpful doctors, and my wife has lived now for 24 years. Uh, She has her challenges of uh, strength and uh, lack thereof. But she also has a a newfound uh, blessing of being able to help people who have terminal diseases or uh, uh, difficult health problems. Uh, She has a real gift from the Lord through this whole uh, situation that she went through to uh, talk to people about how to uh, look to the Lord in their time of need, and uh, she's been truly used of God in a great way that way. Myself, I've had uh, uh, physical uh, difficulties. I've uh, had uh, an episode of pericarditis when I was 46 years old, which uh, came very close to taking my life, and yet uh, obviously through some miraculous things, God brought me back to a state of health and able to continue preaching. Uh, financially uh, we find that there are, as Paul said I know how to be abased but I also know how to abound and uh, 
Godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, the Lord's promised to take care of his people. Uh, he's promised to uh, look after us uh, while we're seeking his help. If we don't seek his help, though, God can allow us to get off the track and uh, get down in the, uh, the ditch, so to speak, and maybe even have uh, some financial reversals or whatever in order to get our attention back to him and the fact that he wants and desires to meet our needs and to bless us. So, yeah, uh, the answer is yes. Every Christian is going to go through some trials. Uh, the Word of God says, Think it not strange when this fiery trial cometh upon you, as some men count uh, uh, the, you know, the idea that why should Christians suffer? Well, Christians suffer because there's a ministry of suffering. First Corinthians chapter 3, we find that uh, the ministry of suffering is there so that we can comfort those with the same comfort whereby we've been comforted. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. But, you know, uh, there's no rose-petaled walk to heaven. You look at the first century Christians, and a good fair few of them died for their faith. You read Fox's Book of Martyrs, and you wonder why we've got it so good. So, Glenn, when a man is facing one of those situations where he feels like the wheels have fallen off, uh, the sky above him is brass, the earth under the plow is just hard rock, uh, he's really struggling, what would you be counseling a man in that situation in terms of just how to best press through that valley and move on to the next stage? Well, basically two things. I ask him, you know, what is your prayer life like? I mean, do you have a consistent communication with the Lord? Generally, all of us go to places that are very dry and parched and we feel like yeah, our prayers aren't getting through. But that's not abnormal. That's uh, a time of trying, and God's going to draw us closer to him. And I ask him about his uh, daily devotion. Uh, does he have a, a set time? Does he have a, a routine where he gets alone with God? But the Bible says, stand still and know that I am God stand still and see the salvation of God. Uh, just to be quiet before God. Uh, you see, oftentimes we're looking for uh, the Lord just to take a wand over our life and make everything easy. Uh, but that's not the way it was in the Bible and it's not reality today. Uh, we have to uh, place our faith in the record of God, the Word of God, not in our feelings, not in our, uh, our, our desires to be uh, comfortable. You look and see what the disciples went through and you see how that uh, there is great joy, uh, wonderful joy in seeing God take away things from us that are ungodlike. They're not maybe necessarily all bad but they're not godlike and so God removes these things and then uh, also uh, adds to us he's no debtor he doesn't take anything away that he doesn't add to us a, a blessing 
Now, I would counsel this fellow who feels like the ground is hard and the skies are brass. Don't look away from the Lord. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, that he might save us and he might be able to live his life out through us. Paul the Apostle said in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The true Christian life is a life of whatever God wants. I'm content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And sure, God takes some people through the water, some people through the flood, some people through dry places. But there's a poem called Footprints. Perhaps you've read it and seen it. Mm. Hangs in a lot of people's homes. But it's about a man who had a dream, and he dreamt that he was walking by the seaside with the Lord Jesus. He loved the Lord. He'd been saved. But he looked over his shoulder, and he could only see one set of footprints. And he said to the Lord, I thought that during you... The, during the hard times. Yeah, during, during the hard times of life, he said, you only find one set of footprints. He said, I thought you told me you'd never leave me nor forsake me. And Jesus said, those are my, my tracks. I was carrying you. And how true it is. I mean, why should we expect to live above the master? Why should we expect to have a life of ease when the soldiers of the cross have given their lifeblood Uh, to propel the gospel out to a world that's lost and undone. You know, we're we're here for, you know, I'm turning 70 years old in a few days. And uh, three score and ten, it's come and gone quick. I don't know how many more years I got, if I have. But I know this, it's gone that fast that I want to do it God's way. I don't want to do it my way. I think, too, Glenn, in our culture... There's such a, an emphasis on make life comfortable, make it easy, set yourself up, uh, have things the way you want, have your boy toys, your you know your boat and yes. everything else around you that you might want so that you can just have this indulged lifestyle. Sure. But the scripture talks about being a soldier. It talks about Enjoy. a whole bunch of things that uh, yeah. were a part of, uh, of uh, the mindset of the culture in previous generations, but... That sort of thing's evaporated, and people seem to wince at the first uh, little bit of effort they've got to put in. Well, it's like, you know, the first little bit of pain that comes, we withdraw from it, and it's natural. But uh, as we gain perspective through our study and through our prayer life and through um, just being instructed in righteousness, that's why it's important to be in a local church where that preacher gets up there and exposits the Word of God. Uh, Preaching was chosen by God to save them that will believe. Preaching is also that which God has chosen to edify believers and to build us up, give us answers and instruction in righteousness. And uh, so it's important to give oneself, not just in a routine personally, but also in a good local church, which there are far and few between that, emphasis the Bible and emphasis the preeminence of Christ in life and the practice of Christian life uh, where we, you know, we, we feel like like you say we want a feel good fuzzy wuzzy 
user-friendly type of situation uh, because we've got all of this uh, kind of jargon in the world out there today because of technology and all of these things. But one thing I've always observed, and that's when the, when the hearse goes to the cemetery, there's no armored truck following it. You leave it all behind. Job said, naked came I into the world, and naked I shall leave. When they open up all those Egyptian tombs, yep. all the treasure's still yeah, there. It's still <laughs> gone there. with them. Well, now it's, now it's gone. Well, it's gone now. <laughs> because thieves and robbers That's broke, right. broke through and took it. Thieves and robbers, rust and moth. Yeah. Right? And the joke that goes, how much did he leave behind? And the answer is, every, no, all of it. All that, everything, yeah. yeah. Left it all behind. How much did he take with him? Only what he laid up in heaven before he went. You said there is a whole ministry in helping men recognize the godly, manly call to uh, be there, who people that will stand in the gap. People don't seem to want to do that sort of thing these days. uh, To actually be a, a soldier for the cross, to to actually engage in that level of, uh, of lifestyle rather than the self-indulgent, uh, what can I do to make myself happier this weekend? Exactly. So I'll did, tell you the truth. Oh, what, did, what did your experience in, in Vietnam teach you about God and about being a soldier? That all trust? men are believers under combat fire. I've never seen an atheist in a, in a foxhole. Mm. And if you can try to convince me that you don't believe in God... But if you uh, are in a foxhole and the shells are coming down on you, uh, you're now a believer. You may not be a born-again believer, but you are like the devils in James chapter 2, verse 18, where it says the devils believe and tremble. Mm. They don't have any uh, notion that there's no God. They know their judgment's going to come. So, yeah, my teaching and what Vietnam taught me was that, uh, you know, it it's true that man can do the most wicked, abominable acts one to another. It'll wreck him for doing it. But there is mercy with a merciful God uh, because Paul said he was the chief of sinners. There's nobody any worse than the Apostle Paul was. We all, you know, I mean, we, we can praise God for that because all of us are sinners. Some people feel like they've gone too far away from God to ever be saved. Yeah. And I had the I had the delight of leading an old digger to the Lord of Mildura some years ago. Uh, I was invited to go to see him, and uh, he uh, had fought in Guadalcanal. I went in to his home, and he was sitting at the table with oxygen in his nose and a mound of prescriptions to keep him alive. And uh, I told him, I said, look, I haven't come here just to, you know, encourage you. I've come here to talk to you about where you're going to go when you die here any day. And he said, soldier to soldier, he said, I'm going straight to hell. And I said, why? And he began to shake all over. And uh, he said, "Uh, no one would understand but a fellow soldier such as yourself. He said, I've never told anyone what a 
Guadalcanal, the sergeant came and told me to take out the pillbox machine gun. He said, I had a flamethrower, and he said, I toasted him. And when I got up there, the guys in the pillbox were roast, but there were 200 villagers behind the pillbox in a cave that I roasted as well. And how could a god ever forgive somebody who's done something that horrendous? I said, oh, my friend, I got good news for you. God can forgive all manner of sin. He started shaking all over, and he looked at me with tears running down his eyes. He said, are you for real? And I said, yes, sir. And I took out the Bible, and I showed him a couple of verses. The man that was with me was a paramedic. And he said, Glenn, he's going to die right here. I said, he may die right here, but we're going to tell him the truth so he can go to heaven. And uh, I, uh, his wife didn't even know him. I mean, he'd been a farmer for 60 years out there. And uh, was just, you know, his wife said that she didn't know him, didn't know any of this. Anyway, um, I went back to the States, and my friend emailed me. He said, well, old Jack, he said, it's an interesting thing. Because of all of his medical problems, he can't get away from the sandbox. He can't come to church or anything. But he asked me to give him a Bible and show him where to start. And he said, you would not believe the change in that man. And then he passed away about a, three months later. Wow. Just needed to be given the assurance that God can forgive all sin. All of our guilt and all of our shame. The, the, the blood of Jesus Christ is just so wonderful that he would shed his blood for us like that. And it's the power of the blood that satisfies the eternal God. Wow. That's the same. You know, I've had a little boy come to me, and his heart is heavy. He's been disobedient. He's said something naughty to his mom. The same thing. I told him, listen, God loves you. And Jesus died to pay the price for this bad behavior and this naughtiness, this sin. All you got to do is ask him to forgive you, and he will. See that little boy go run into his mom's arms. Say, Mom, I love you. Sorry. Well, that's it for us for another week. Thanks for coming along, Glenn. Thanks for being part of the show. And uh, thanks to you, our listeners. I hope you've enjoyed this and you've got something out of us, out of the show. Uh, it's been incredible to listen to Glenn and uh, the journey that he's been on, and there's some huge lessons in there for us for men. So, Glenn, thanks for being part of the show. Pleasure indeed. Thank you for having me. Don't forget to come back over to the website, www.realmen247.org, and uh, leave a comment, or we'll see you on Facebook. Until next week, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.